Hello, and welcome to the River Audio Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We believe God has something unique to say to you, and our hope is that you feel His love stronger today than ever before. Enjoy the message. You've got your Bibles. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. We just want to honor dads today in this message. You know, we we had a great time on Mother's Day, and we just poured into, into women and cast vision and inspiration and encouragement. And we want to do that again today uh, for the men. And I'm so grateful for the men of this church. You know, amen. Uh It generally works like this in churches. On Mother's Day, we celebrate mothers. And on Father's Day, we rebuke fathers and tell them everything they're not doing and what they should be doing. That's how it usually works. If you pay attention to Mother's Day messages and Father's Day messages, the women get built up and the men get scolded for, you know, whatever. And uh, I'm so grateful because we are blessed with great great men in this church. And, uh, you know, they, they do a, a weekly Bible study that starts at one o'clock on Sundays is the time they picked. And last week they said, you know, next week's Father's Day. Uh, they all voted to go ahead and have their Bible study at one o'clock on Father's Day. And, I mean, isn't that awesome, the heart of that? I don't know if the wives are happy about it, but anyway, that's what they voted for. So, Anyhow, we want to honor dads today. Ephesians 6 and 4, the, uh, the first part of this verse is a little on the corrective side. We want to focus on the, the last half, and here it is. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. I want to read that last part again. Fathers, bring your children up in the nurture. Somebody say nurture. In the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Pray with me. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this word. Thank you for these dads. Thank you for these men. And I just ask that you would help me to bring this forth in a way that's understandable and that hearts and minds would be open and receptive And Father, we would leave here changed. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, this verse starts by saying, provoke not your children to wrath. And it's funny the difference in nature between men and women so much of the time because we think about mothers being nurturing and we think about fathers being uh, disciplinaries. And a lot of times it goes that way because uh, you know, men deal a lot more with pride, being prideful than women. Women typically, uh, and I know that these are not rules across the board, but women typically are more humble. M- men have to put on a facade many times about being tough and uh, not crying. Of course, that doesn't work here because all the men cry every week around here like babies. But anyway, I like that, though. Uh but there are a lot of there are a lot of men. 
let me say it this way and see if you understand what I mean. There are a lot of men, especially in past generations. Let's go back to our grandparents and, and a couple generations before. There have been a lot of men that loved their families but didn't know how to love their families. It's not because they didn't love them. It's because many times men had not seen how to love. And a, a lot of men with honorable hearts, a lot of men that wanted to protect and provide for their families and do right, ended up being very, very hard on their families. Ended up being very, very hard on their, on their kids. And then the next generation then has to deal with that and also not learn how. So the first part we'll deal with real quick, and then we want to really get into the, the role of dads. The first part simply says, provoke not your children to wrath. But we've seen a lot of situations where that happened, where dads, uh, where dads had not seen love modeled. Yeah. And so they didn't know how. They didn't know how to love the next generation and they were constantly provoking their kids. And, and maybe for, uh, maybe not for any ill intentions, maybe for right intentions, but constantly breaking the kid down. You know, there have been a lot of kids that have had their spirits broken. There have been a lot of kids that it's like no matter what the kid would do, they couldn't get it right. It was never right enough. It was never enough. Uh, have, have you known any dads that there was only one right way to do anything? It didn't matter how you tied the knot. You should have tied it like this. It didn't matter how you stacked the wood. You should have stacked it like this. It just, it just didn't matter. There was always. There's been a lot of that that has existed. And what happens is children are supposed to be, yes, disciplined, but children are supposed to be grown. Children are supposed to be built Children are supposed to be encouraged and inspired. We are not supposed to provoke them to the point of wrath. That's what this is talking about. You can so break a kid's spirit that the kid says, what's the point? And they give up and they end up living crazy and just doing whatever because they were provoked to the point of wrath. They, they never could feel like they got anything right. And listen, if you can never, ever, 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 ever get it right, at some point you say, what's the point? Why even try? And so I just give up. We see a very different thing happening here in the family of this church. We see dads that, yes, they discipline, but we see dads with very soft hearts that love their wives that love their kids and that build their families up. And so honestly, my message today is in celebration of that. It's the second part of this verse, which says, bring them up in the nurture. You know, men are supposed to nurture. We think about the women, but men are supposed to nurture. Dads, our kids, our boys need to, need to, need to see us cry they need to see that softness. They need to see that, that brokenness. Bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We're supposed to admonish them. We're supposed to teach them about Jesus and bring them up. So we have an opportunity to do this, dads. We have an opportunity to build 
awesome human beings. And it's not just for our kids. We're supposed to do this for our wives as well. We'll talk more about that in a minute. And honestly, men have a special gifting. It was awesome what we learned about women on Mother's Day, about the way that women are built inside, the characteristics of women, the calling of women, the God-given gift that women have and how women are actually the picture of the Holy Spirit. If you did not get to hear the Mother's Day message called Girl Power, you need to go back on YouTube or on the uh, Facebook live streams, and you need to hear Girl Power and women find out who you are in Jesus because it was awesome. It's obvious, the men, it's easy to figure out that fathers are supposed to be a picture of the father, okay? So that's not a new shocking surprise or revelation, but we're going to dive into it today. Fathers, you have a special gift to be a father. You have a special gift to lead and to guide. And the same way that our Father speaks into us and builds us up, dads, you are supposed to be speaking into your family and building them up. Before we can understand the gift and the calling of the Father, we have to understand the gift and the calling of the husband. Somebody say husband. Husband does not mean what we think that it means. When I say, what is a husband? You say, that's, that's the man part of the marriage. That's the, that's the guy. He's married. He's a husband. When you get married, you're a husband. That's not what husband means. Did you know that? I didn't know it till uh, maybe a year ago. I heard somebody talking about this. Before we can understand the gift of the Father, we have to understand what a husband is. When we begin to study what a husband is, we end up finding out that husband, going to blow your mind, husband is not a marriage term. We think husband and wife are marriage labels, but husband is actually a family term. Husband is not a marriage term. Husband is a family term. There are men that are married that are not being husbands. And there are men that through whatever circumstance maybe are not married, but they are husbands. We'll get into that in just a second. You see, each person in a household... Each person that is part of a family has a part to play. Every person in a household has something to bring. Every person in a household has a specific role to contribute to the well-being of the family unit. Somebody say unit. A family is supposed to be a unit. You know what unit means? One, unit. A family is supposed to be a unit. I'll, I'll give you an example. Let's look at where some of these words even came from. Does anybody know what the word wife means? Now, you already know husband doesn't mean a married man. So now you're probably saying, oh, wait, wife probably doesn't mean a married woman. Do you know what the word wife, where wife comes from? It is the word weaver. The word wife is actually the word weaver to weave. 
to weave fabric. Now, where this all comes from is that years ago, there was not a company that was weaving fabric to go buy some fabric to make something. Everything happened in the home. You had to harvest wool. You had to spin the wool into thread. And then you had to take, aren't you glad we got it easier now than all this? Then you had to take the thread and you had to weave it into fabric. Then you had to take the fabric and cut it out into your pattern and sew it together to make your clothes. And so it started with the wool. The word wife meant weaver. When you said, is there a wife in the house? Is there somebody in the house to weave the thread into fabric? The women primarily took the role of weaving to make the cloth to have clothes. Now, it was typically the girls in the house, the unmarried girls, they had to do the spinning you know what they were called? Spinsters. An unmarried girl is a spinster because she took the wool and spun it so that the weaver could weave it. Isn't that amazing? I think that's so cool. So the girl was the spinster. The wife was the weaver. That's what the word wife means, weaver. So you see... You see the children taking part. You see the wife taking part. This is actually where the word heirloom came from. Do you have any heirlooms that have been passed down through your family? Well, you know what heir means. Heir means you get it from them. The last generation passes it on to you. So you might have a quilt, and you say, that's a family heirloom. Well, actually, that's a family heir quilt. They used to pass down the... The loom. And so you would have a family loom. The spinsters would spin and the weaver would weave. And when this generation passed, you were the heir of the loom. It, you got the heirloom. Now we use it as a general term. Nobody's spinning anything. Nobody's weaving anything. And we don't have a loom to pass down. So now the heirloom is a quilt and a shotgun. Amen. But the husband has a unique role. Husband means something very unique. And we actually are pronouncing the word wrong. You know, through the years, people take words and they shorten them and they change them. They make them easier to say. The word is not actually husband. It's actually housebund. Somebody say housebund. The word is not husband. It's housebund. It's actually a conjunction of two words. House band. House band. When I say house band, I'm not talking about the music group at the bar or on the Tonight Show. I'm not talking about that. I am talking about the band that goes around your house and family and holds it together. I'm talking about the house band. Come on, somebody. The house, go give us a little something there, Vince. I felt that. Thank you. That'll be good. The house band. When you say 
when, when, the, when a wife is talking to somebody and she says, my husband, you just said out of your mouth, uh, the one that bands our home together, I, I sent my husband out to grab some milk. Who went to get the milk? The one that bands our family together. I asked the band that keeps our home unified if he would go and get my oil changed. Who did that? My house band. The unifier of my home. My family unity maker went to do that. Serving to join or hold things together. A house band bands the house together. This is who you are. This is what you are. You are the band of your home. Men, you have been created to be the strong strap that pulls the family together snug and holds them there. If you don't do it, somebody else who is not called to do it, who is not gifted to do it, it, your weaver is having to stand up and try to be a band. Sometimes your spinsters are falling apart and kids are having to figure out how to hold the home together. But I'm glad that here, at least in this church, we have some house bands. We have some men that are standing up and saying, no, I'm taking authority over my home and family in the name of Jesus. I'm going to give them the love of God. I'm going to give them the word of God. I'm going to teach them how to pray. I'm going to have them in the house of God, and I'm going to nurture them and love them. I'm going to cry with them. I'm going to give them wisdom. I'm going to stand by them because I found out I'm a house band. I'm the unity in this place house band a house band a husband's role by its very title is to wrap his family up and hold them together if you're a husband you're supposed to wrap your family up and hold them together that's what you are you're a husband it bands together a husband is supposed to unify instead of divide. If you are a house band, a husband, you are supposed to intentionally be watching and be aware of discord and division. Your number one goal in loving your family in nurturing your family, your number one goal is this. I'm keeping this thing together. Your number one goal is I am not going to let this family pit themselves against each other. I am not going to let anything come in and sow discord 
to divide my son from my daughter, my daughter from my wife, my son from me. I am awake. I am alert. I am a watchman on the wall. I am watching over my home. I'm watching to see if any dads, we better be paying attention to what's going on in the lives of our kids, the, the life of our wife. We better be nurturing that relationship and watching because if anything begins to divide your home, it is your job to tighten the band. It is my job as a dad to eliminate the seeds of discord that are being sown to make sure that my family is banded together. And God bless the women that have had to do this without the men, come on, that were MIA. God bless them. But men, I am not going to let it be that somebody else has to do my job when God has called me to do it. It's the job. How many of you know God made men and women different? The world would say otherwise, but God says it this way. We are called with distinct roles and distinct functions. And I want to band my house together. The husband's job is unity. Listen to Psalm 133. We know Psalm 133, but we have so focused on the spiritual that we have forgotten about the, the plain lesson that's in it. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Brothers, brethren. Sisters, the family, how pleasant it is when family gets along. How pleasant it is when family will not be divided from each other, but when family draws close to each other and works together for the purpose of the family and the call of the kingdom. And here's what it's like. He said it's like the precious ointment upon the head, literally anointing oil, that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard. Aaron was our high priest, come on, that went down to the skirts of his garments as the dew of Hermon, dew is refreshing in the morning and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion which by the way is praise for there the Lord commanded the blessing even life forevermore the Bible says that God commands a blessing on the unity of the family do you know that the number one goal of the enemy is to destroy the family do you know that's the target in the United States today and throughout the world is to destroy the nuclear family? The nuclear family. Don't get nuclear nuclear messed up. You'll have a bomb in your house then. You the, the goal of the enemy, and we see it all over the place, that the word today is that family is not important and that we can do family any old way that we want to do it. You can do this and you can do that. But God says the family is important. And God says, I command my blessing on unity in the family. Guess who is the number one earthly person in charge of this unity? Dad. Dad. It is the dad's job before anybody else to band that family together in unity. And God says, that's what I put my blessing on. 
That's what I put my blessing on. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. This is not talking about going to heaven after you die. When we say life evermore. This kind of life, ever, evermore here means perpetual. Life is victory in life. God says, I put perpetual victory on unity in families. You want victory in your life? Band together with your family. We focus so much on the spiritual in this verse that we miss the plainness of it. Simply, it is a very pleasing thing when families get along and work together. And the husband is in charge of making this happen. It is pleasant when families are unified. It is pleasant when families enjoy each other. So many families are torn apart with bickering and fighting and stuff that does not matter at all. And if, if we as men will stand up and take our place, we can fix so much of this. We, we carry an authority to say, hey, shut up. <laughs> go, go on, get, get out of here with, with all that. We're not going to have that here. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. We're not going to let that destroy us. It is pleasant when families are unified, when they're enjoying each other. It is pleasant when families are operating in their God-given role, banded together toward a common goal. This family unification is the goal and the call of the dad, of the dad. Dads are called to band the house together. Now, for sake of time, because I know folks got different things going on today, for the sake of time, we won't go into every verse we could go into right now, although I'd really, really love to. Jesus is the husband of the church. We are the bride of Christ. We're the bride of Christ, and he is our husband. It does, doesn't it? When we say it that way, it does hit different. It's important we get in and learn these words. Jesus is the band around the body. <laughs> Jesus is the unifier. That's why I love Pastor Josh and Pastor Eddie and Pastor Bill and Pastor Ben. And we love the body of Christ. We love the church. I don't care what you call yourself. I don't care if you're Methodist or Baptist or Catholic or whatever. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, if you've been born again, if you have placed faith in the shed blood on the cross of Calvary, you're my brother and my sister, and we've got to band together. And that's what Dad's trying to do. Our Heavenly Father and Jesus, our husband. Jesus, his heart is to band the house together, saying, major on majors. Quit fighting about minors and stuff that doesn't matter. Put the blood-stained banner of the cross of Christ out front. We've been fighting about stuff that doesn't matter. We've been nitpicking about things and splitting hairs about things that are not the essential gospel uh, priorities. The bottom line is, if you believe in God at all, we got something in common. 
Because a lot of people don't, or at least they say they don't. You got a lot of people that don't. But then if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, if you believe that the Bible is true, Honey, I've got a lot of other people I can fight with. I don't want to fight with you. I don't want to waste my time bickering with you about this doctrine and that doctrine. If you believe Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross for sin, that he rose again victorious, and that you've got to receive him to go to heaven, we're on the same team, and we're in the same family. Give God a hand clap and a shout of praise. We're part of the body of Christ. Jesus is the husband of the church. He bands it together, and we're supposed to be modeling after him. Now, when we understand what a husband is, and we understand that Jesus is the husband of the body of Christ, now we can much better understand Ephesians 5, 23 and 25, through 25. For the husband is the head of the wife. It's not as scary now, is it? This is some of the most abused verses in the Bible. Well, the husband's the head of the wife. She's supposed to submit. How is he the head? What is she supposed to submit to? Well, when I know what a husband is, all of a sudden, it's not too scary at all. When I found out this is the spinster, this is the weaver, and you got your job to do banding it all together, it would read like this. For the house band is the band of the wife, the holder of the wife, the unifier of the wife and the family, the lover of the wife, of the kids to put this thing together. Yes, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the band around the church. Gets real good now, doesn't it? And he's the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wife be to their own husband in everything. Do you all realize Jesus said, I have not called you my servants. He said, I called you my friends. I understand that we are the servants of God. I do understand that. But the Bible actually doesn't teach that we're the servants of God. It teaches we're the sons of God. We're actually the family of God and his friends. It's very, very different. When I understand that, this verse reads so different about the wife submitting to the husband. God created wives for a purpose, husbands for a purpose. And when we understand the role, all of a sudden, the husband is not a boss that domineers over the wife. The wife has this part, and the husband has this part, and the kids, and it becomes a beautiful, beautiful thing where everybody works together, and all the parts are working, and we're able to produce something we never could have produced when I'm trying to act like that one and that one's trying to act like me and this is out of order and you got a problem with authority and you got a problem with submission. And all of a sudden we say, oh, it's this. I am glad to submit. I am glad to serve. I'm glad to band together. I'm glad to lead and to love with joy. 
Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Wives, do you know what the Bible says you're supposed to submit to? To your husband loving you like Christ loved the church. It's incredible. And we've got a group of men here that are rising up full of the Holy Ghost in power and taking their place and doing awesome things. We are to lead, to guide men, fathers. Part of our job is to help everyone in our house find their gift and to operate in it and then to unify the gifts to accomplish the tasks at hand. To be a great father, we must be a great house band. And we have a gifting and a calling to do just that. Hear this, dads. No one in the world can build your family up like you can. Nothing can strengthen a kid like the encouragement of their dad. Yes, we want our mom's approval, but ultimately in here, we're trying to get dad's approval more than anybody. And nothing can strengthen like the encouragement that you give. Nobody can inspire your wife and lift her up like your praise. The praise of the husband to the wife, there is nothing else in the world like that. Nobody can make your kids feel like they're 10 foot tall like you can. Families crave the affirmation of the father. And if they don't get it, they'll go looking for it. They'll go looking for it. If kids are not affirmed by their dad, they'll go try to find it all kinds of places. And they can never seem to fill it. You know, everyone else in the world can celebrate a kid, but if their dad isn't, it's not enough. Because they want it at home. It's not enough that everybody else celebrated them. They want their dad to celebrate them. But let me tell you this. If nobody else is celebrating them, but dad is, it means everything. Because they say, well, my dad thinks so. I can run home to my dad because I feel safe. Listen, I am 40 years old, and there is no feeling in the world that has ever matched to this day. It might as well have been yesterday. There is no feeling in the world like my dad picking me up and holding me. I don't know if he could right now. He probably could pretty strong. I remember as a kid that when my dad picked me up, nothing could get me. Nothing could get to me. It didn't matter what scary situation I was in. I could go in the dark basement with my dad. Come on. It didn't matter what. I, if dad was there, I'm not scared anymore. It's on him. The security of it is incredible. Men, you have a lot of power. You have incredible power 
that you have no idea that you have to build up and to totally change the atmosphere of a place. You are a strong band tying your family together. You are created in the image of God. You're a dad. Come on, somebody. You're a dad. And today, you believe my sermon's done? <laughs> I told you I was going to try to do it quick. Maybe you should give me some kind of prize. So it's 11.30. It's 11.30. Look at this. Singers, musicians, would you run up here? Thanks again for listening to the River Audio Podcast. We hope that these weekly sermons are an encouragement to your life. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at theriverworshipcenter.org and on Facebook and Instagram at The River.